Welcome everyone to the very first interview of Stand Tall, the video cast created to inspire people to think, act, love, and lead their very best life. I'm your host, Cameron, and I've got a really exciting person to, to, to show you guys today. It's Dr. David Timms. Dr. Timms graduated with his PhD from Marker University in Sydney, Australia, after completing his undergraduate and graduate studies in the United States. Currently, he is a professor and the dean of the School of Theology and Leadership at William Jessup University since 2011. Dr. Timms has written blogs and articles for Lookout magazines, among others. He's published five books, all available on Amazon for purchase, including the book we're going to be discussing today, Shape Your World, Transformational Leadership for Everyday Life. Welcome, Dr. Timms. Thanks, Cameron. This is fun to be a part of, and thank you for the kind invitation. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to thank you personally. Um, this means a, a lot more to me than just an interview. If it wasn't for you, Dr. Timms, I wouldn't be in my master's degree. I ended up, you know, I failed my first class in my master's degree, had decided like it was going to be way too much work. And we sat down and had a conversation and you really encouraged me. And it's because of your words that I stuck it out. And I'm two years into my three-year program. So I just want to thank you for that. So great so grateful for you. Um, well, I thought we were never going to discuss that first class, but uh, yeah. <laughs> thanks for your transparency, Cameron. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate you. Value you very much. And, and today we're going to be discussing a topic I know that you're really passionate about, and that's really the heart of the leadership program at William Jessup University, and that's transformational leadership. And we're going to talk a little bit about how it differs from other models of leadership. And you define transformational leadership in your book as producing change, and building lives through authenticity, inspiration, empathy, and innovation. Could you just unpack that definition for the listeners and why that, that model is maybe more ideal as a more understood and widely accepted model, like let's say servant leadership? Yeah, it's a simple definition, but it's, it's a well-worn model. So a lot of us are not familiar with transformational leadership as a model, but it actually goes back to the late 1970s and, and through to the mid-80s when it was being developed by Burns and Bass and others. And I, I picked up on it a few years ago and went, oh, my goodness, uh, this has real merit. And I've, I've fallen in love with it, written about it. I teach about it and speak about it a lot because, for me, I've been in leadership probably the last 35 years of my life and probably the, only the last five years I can say, I think I might start to understand this. And transformational leadership has really helped me understand it. So very quickly, that, that uh, definition has been helpful because it tells me the two things that <clears throat> leadership all, always aims for, to uh, produce change and build lives. That's the goal of leadership. I'm not sure I understood what the goal of leadership was until I, I was very clear on those two things. And then it tells me the four ways I do that. I produce change, I build lives, and I do it through authenticity, inspiration, empathy, and innovation, as you just mentioned. I could unpack each of those, but, but really it's a, it's a wonderful model because it tells me what's the goal of my leadership, and it doesn't really matter if this is the, my leadership in my marriage or my wife's leadership of me in my marriage, my children, <clears throat> maybe it's a local church or a local organization or a workplace, it doesn't matter the goal of all transformational leadership is to produce change and build lives. And if I keep that clear, everything else is great. And then the four ways I do it help me to do that with legitimacy and, and effectiveness. So this definition 
is my simple street level way of trying to capture a lot of academic language and, and make it accessible. And, and why is that different than, let's say, servant leadership? I know servant leadership, especially in the church, is a pretty widely accepted model of leadership. How is that different from servant leadership? Yeah, it's a great question. And Greenleaf used to teach that back in the 70s too. And I've actually taught classes on servant leadership. I've used his stuff and thought it was really thoughtful and helpful. And generally, I still believe that to be true. However, in practice, what I have found is that people who embrace servant leadership Generally speaking, and of course, you've got to be careful with broad brushes, right? Not everybody's going to fit this, but generally speaking, servant leadership becomes very heavy on servant and very light on leadership. And when I talk to people about servant leadership, all I hear them say are things like the servant leader is the person who's willing to do to do everything, to, to fill whatever gaps they find, for whom no job is too too small or too menial. In other words, it's always about doing everything with a servant heart because that's what servants do they do what they're told so it's strong on servant light on leadership and when I talk to servant leaders I'm always listening for the leadership language and there usually isn't any it's just I kind of lead by setting an example of a servant heart and that is not leadership because in the world people will allow us to serve them till the cows come home but it will not make us leaders. So service is not the same as leadership. And the, the servant leadership model, if understood as Greenleaf intended, is very helpful. Most of us don't understand it in that framework. And so I've, I've kind of, if I can say it in a public kind of way, I've kind of left it behind and moved to transformational leadership as a much more helpful, and I, I would suggest even biblical model of leadership. That's actually a, a, a really great transition because I know in your book you stated that transformational leadership is deeply consistent with the Christian faith. Like, how do you see your definition actually playing out in the scripture? Oh, I, I just go to the, the ministry of Jesus and I say, how, how would you describe the ministry of Jesus except with words like producing change and building lives, right? The, the whole nature of, of the kingdom of God is, is not to simply run a parallel track where things uh, remain as they are. It is to bring change into the world. It's to redeem humanity and, in fact, all of creation. It's to produce change and it's to build our lives. Uh, the, the gospel, the good news is that uh, we can be different, that by God's grace and the work of his spirit within us, we are made into new creations. It's just gospel language, Right. So how is it biblically consistent? Then look at the ministry of Jesus and say, well, would you consider him authentic, transparent, humble, full of integrity? I think so. Would you consider him inspiring, casting fresh vision, clarifying what, what's really going on in the world? <laughs> I think so. Is he empathetic? Oh, my goodness. Let's look at the gospel stories. He, he's constantly reaching out to the disenfranchised and the marginalised. I think empathy describes Jesus really nicely. Uh, is he innovative? Oh, my goodness. The way he interprets the Old Testament scriptures to cast fresh light on them and to show us what the kingdom of God can look like in our own day. Authenticity, inspiration, empathy, innovation, they are enormously consistent words with the life and ministry of Jesus. 
Amen. Amen. So I, that's awesome. I, I really do appreciate it. Yeah. It, I just heard so many times, like obviously scripturally speaking, like Jesus talks about, you know, the first will be last, the last will be first and, you know, yeah, serving, serving our brothers. And this is constantly in the scripture. Obviously we don't hear Jesus use the word transformational, but I can definitely see how those pieces connect together and intertwine for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that is the case that, you know, if you're looking for the word or the phrase, it's not going to be there, but the concepts are just embedded all the way through the gospels for sure. I love it. So I know you, you also stated that good leadership must be as concerned with the process as the outcome and that it requires attention to the lives of those whom we lead. But I think that if you look at most business models, they would say that good leadership is, is, rising stockholder share value price and it's profit profit necessarily over people maybe people don't necessarily say that out loud but it seems like profit is what makes a company successful so why do you believe that good leadership must be as concerned with the process as the outcome and people maybe over profit yeah and and what what i'm really gratified to see today cameron and this is a way of getting to your question from this from a side door I'm really gratified to see, you know, Apple and other major companies that are not by any means, you know, kingdom companies, but they're talking about these these very qualities of building people's lives, creating space for their employees to thrive. They're talking about empathy in ways that the church in the past used to talk about empathy. And they're recognizing that on the one hand, their, their shareholders and their stock value matters. Their products matter. They want quality products. They are there to, to sell a product, absolutely. But, but good leadership realizes that behind the product, people, people on the front end who are designing and building, people on the back end who are buying and using, and, and, and really the mentality is not, hey, can we raise money for people we've never seen before? It's how, how do we build this company while we care for the employees and we care for the customers. So if you come into this, and I'm just thinking in terms of secular companies right now, even if you come into leadership with this mentality that we are producing change, what company doesn't want to produce change? Uh, And we are building lives, employees and customers, then you create an employee uh, environment and you create customer service that is second to none. And the companies that are doing that are the ones that are successfully raising their value in the marketplace. If if we get stuck on the financials as the only way of measuring success and we forget the producing change and the building lives, we can almost guarantee that the turnover of staff and the dissatisfaction of customers will undermine the very uh, goal that we're we're shooting for in terms of uh, financials. So I, I really do think that, uh, that our culture is recognizing this now too and going, oh, these things matter and they matter enormously. And so whether it's Genentech um, or Amazon, we're creating spaces where our employees can drop their kids off. We, we're providing childcare services. In fact, uh, we're providing speech pathology and speech uh, therapy for, for children and for adults in, in work hours. We're providing these services because while we're doing an analysis of you know, the genome, we are also building the lives of, of our team. Critically important. And, 
And we don't have a corner on this. The, the marketplace is catching up and realizing just how important this really is. That's awesome. I Before I started working at, at Jessup, I never, well, I don't want to say never. I actually had a, a really great boss named Ron. But when I started working at Jessup, my boss, Angela, I had never met someone that was more vulnerable as a leader, right? That was able to connect with me. And that was a totally different style of leadership I was used to, right? It's, I think most titles of leadership, it's like, you know, you're seen more, you know, as a, as a number rather than as a person, like if it, if it's good for my bottom line. But when I, when I met Angela, when she started to invest in me, like I, I realized like that was the type of leader that I really wanted to be that. And when you connect with someone like that, that doesn't just, you know, care about the, your, your production, but also cares about you as a person that gets down to the asking those questions internally where you really feel known and value outside. I think, I think that's really where transformational leadership comes into play and that idea of vulnerability and trust that's being built. Yeah. And I think that's a great example. And in fact, that, that last word you used is the key word is trust because the, the more your environment is a, is a place of uh, security and trust. And here I'm talking about the leader creating that environment for, for those they lead. The more there, there is security and trust, the more cohesion, the more effort, the more reliability, the more loyalty. I mean, everything flows out of that. And you know, whether I'm looking at Patrick Lencioni's uh, uh, five dysfunctions, everything flows out of, out of broken trust. How do you build it? Well, not just by doing the job that other people should be doing, servant leadership, but by building an environment with very intentional core values, the sorts of things we're talking about in transformational leadership. Yeah, and I know Dr. Brene Brown really speaks into this idea when it comes to, to vulnerability and trust. She actually says, like, the key to high performance for a team and organization is vulnerability and trust. And unless we can create those things, and that really comes from the leader down, being vulnerable, feeling like you can be known, because there's nothing worse than an organization where people don't communicate or believe that they can't share their values, right? Because that really stops people from being able to, to grow and to connect. And, and I think more than anything, to have those conversations that are absolutely necessary for change and innovation. And, and, that, and what Renee has done in terms of vulnerability and empathy, another word that she will use at times, has been a, a huge step forward uh, for our marketplace culture. And, and again, it's uh, one of the, I call it one of the four pillars of transformational leadership. It is crucial for the, uh, the culture we want to build. It's great. We'll transition from there. So I think a lot of people do not necessarily see themselves as leaders. But you say that leadership is not for a few, but for us all. Like, what do you mean when you say that, that leadership is for us all? Isn't it for people in positions of leadership and authority? I, th I think we are, most of us are exercising forms of leadership that we've just never identified, but they are forms of leadership. We have opportunities to influence people and, and at its most basic and I think inadequate level, people have defined leadership as influence. Uh, I think that's true, but it's inadequate if we stop there. All of us are influencing people all the time. Some of us have positions of leadership. Some of us function as leaders without the positions. 
Some of us have titles uh, and roles that are defined by an organization. Others of us are simply changing, building lives and, and, and changing, changing things by virtue of being a part of the organization. My marriage is a place where I lead. I lead Kim and Kim leads me. We, we have mutual leadership in a marriage. When my boys come over and, and visit, I am I'm their father, but I'm also, I have a leadership moment. I'll have leadership moments in a conversation where they might be uh, talking about an issue or have a question, and I have an opportunity to, to, to actually exercise momentary leadership, even though they're getting a little older now. That happens in the workplace. It happens in a local church. It just happens in every relationship. So, yeah, all of us have these these moments of leadership that if we can recognize them for what they are and we can remember that the goal of leadership is to produce change and build lives, we can lean in differently. My marriage will be different. Let me just go to the most basic one-on-one relationship I have in this world with Kim. My marriage will be different when I resolve that I am going to produce change for her and build her life. And even as I say that, you know that's the kind of marriage you'd want to be in, where your partner wants to produce change for me, not to change me, but produce change for me and to build my life. I'm going to say, I do to that person, right? But then, but then when I say to Kim, and I'm going to do it in four particular ways, I'm, I'm never this explicit, but I'm going to do it by being authentic with you. I'm going to have integrity and humility and transparency. I'm going to do it by being, being clear with you and communicating with you. I'm going to do it by listening and caring and responding to you. That's empathy. I'm going to do this by turning our marriage into a place of innovation and freshness and newness. I'm not going to let this thing get stale. That's what every marriage partner prays that they will find in a partner. I call that leadership. And at the most basic level, a one-on-one relationship. And this isn't a, obviously this isn't a session on marriage counseling, but you, you see what I'm talking about. If people think that leadership is just rising to be CEO of an organization, they have completely misunderstood the multitude of leadership opportunities that come up every day in the most simplest, uh, simple of ways. So I do think it's for everybody. And I think the older we get, the more of those opportunities actually arise. And we, we, we want to have eyes open to see them. As, as you were talking, I was thinking about parents, right? I, I don't know if you know this, Dr. Tim's. I, my wife is pregnant. We are expecting in September. That's wonderful. And thank you. It's our first child. <laughs> we're really, really excited. But as you're talking about the understanding, like in marriage of producing change and building lives, I was thinking about the, you know, the stay at home mom or the person that isn't in a position of leadership that might not feel that they're a leader, but at the same time, by your definition, leadership is producing change and building lives through these four pillars. Uh, I would say absolutely 100% that that parent is a leader. Oh, what parent, and I'll put this on you, Cameron, what what parent would want to have a child who never changed, who, who still acted like a two-year-old throwing tantrums when they're 12 and 15 and, and 20 and 30? No, we, we absolutely want to produce change and we absolutely want to build their lives. No, no parent's going to lock them in a box and say, we don't want to build their lives. We don't want to see them grow and mature and become emotionally stable and responsible. We don't want to see it. Of course we want to see that. So Kim has been a stay-at-home mom. By God's grace, we, we made a choice and we've lived simply so that that was possible over the years. And 
Absolutely. She is probably the key leader in our boys' lives. We've got three boys. Hands down, her time in the, in the home with those boys has been a, an absolutely crucial leadership experience. Hands down, no questions asked at all about that. That's great. Hey, so I know there's people listening that are wondering and are unsure, like how to produce change and build lives through authenticity, inspiration, empathy, and innovation. So as a leader, what are maybe some practical ways to live out those components and affect positive change? Well, it's it's not something we're all going to do tomorrow because we heard this tonight, right? (laughs) I would say, Cameron, and and I'm not exaggerating, there would be barely a day goes by, I don't use this language, barely a day goes by for, for the last three or four years where I don't think about this early in the morning, where I don't come to the workplace thinking about this, where I don't have conversations with people about these key terms, So I I think the most important piece in getting our hands around this is to get this definition really deep in our soul. And and here's why it's important. So this definition, I I don't need notes to talk about this because I, and it's not just something I've memorized. It's something I want to become part of me. So I want to be a transformational leader. I'm committed to being a transformational leader as a follower of Jesus. So I produce change. I build lives in the four ways we've described I use those words all the time for a simple reason, because the words that we speak have both the power to reveal what's going on in my heart, but also to form what's going on in my heart. Words have that double-edged power. So words reveal and words form. And I'm, I'm a strong believer that the language we use is critically important to personal change. So, I mean, you could, take this in all sorts of places. This is one reason why I think foul language, coarse language, abusive language, all of that language actually reflects something that's happening in my heart, maybe something I'm not too proud of. But every time I use that kind of language, it reinforces something very negative and dark within me. So stop using that language. Stop using the language and it will start to find its way out of your heart. It will transform you, use different language. What can people do very simply to to start to embrace this kind of leadership? Grab the definition, start to to think about it, start to use those words more and more. We'll define these words in slightly different ways. I'm not worried about that. I I know how I understand empathy. I listen, care, respond. I have little little three ways to, to, to define these things. I don't mind how the next person defines empathy, but just know that caring about other people is big. So use that word. Use it when you're in conversation with friends and with family. Use it in conversation with, with workmates and, and, in, and in the local church. As we use the words, they will form us and they will become a point of accountability for us. So rather than just saying, hey, here's something you could do tomorrow, you know, try this out. I'm going to say, start to use this language. Use the language and you'll become this kind of person. And transformational leadership won't be something you talk about. It will become something you live out. It really does seem more like a a state and an internal drive, right, to influence and impact others in a positive way than actually like a position. I think I've just been so 
miss I've had this understanding that leadership for so long was a position of authority and not how I actually interact with other people that I could lead people in a way that would that would get the best out of them and they that they would want to invest back into me. Yeah, and and Cameron, even just think very quickly, you know, when we've thought about leadership in those terms, in terms of position and authority, you think about the number of times that you are trying to lead up. One of the hardest things any of us do in leadership is lead up, to lead the people above us in an organization because of this very thing about position and authority. We feel like, no, I can't lead up. They, They always lead down and I have no leadership at all. It's not true. But one of the hardest things we do is lead up. One of, the, one of the easiest ways to lead up is to have in your heart a desire to produce change and build the lives of those up and to respond to those above you in, in position and authority with, <laughs> here we go again, authenticity, inspiration, empathy, and innovation. To say, you know what, I recognise it must be incredibly difficult in your position of authority over me and over a lot of other people And I want to empathize with that. And so rather than being critical, rather than being dismissive, maybe I'll respond to you differently. You can lead up. It's one of the hardest things we do. This model of leadership will allow us to do it a lot more successfully. So you're saying that someone, maybe just a worker that's not in a position at leadership actually could have influence over other leaders in their workspace. Absolutely. Absolutely. You don't need for somebody to tell you you're a leader to be a leader. <laughs> you just step into that space. If you know what leadership's all about, if leadership is about, hey, I just need to, I don't know, I need to get some more cleaning products provided down here on the on the floor. And uh, gee, if, I, if I'm successful in that, I've been a leader. If that's what you think of leadership, okay, go after the cleaning products. But if leadership is producing change and building lives, then you won't be down mopping the floor ter- terribly long because people will be very, very responsive to that. Excellent. All right, Dr. Tim's final question for Hi. you. Thank you for your time, by the way. What legacy do you want to leave in the world? What do you want? How do you want to influence people to think, act, love, and lead their best life? Oh, I want people to produce change and build lives. That's not my job alone. It's, it's our job together. Can you imagine if, if collectively we, everybody embraced this model, not just of leadership, but of life, and said so we're committed to producing change and building lives. They are the flip sides. Sometimes we produce change without building lives and sometimes we build lives without producing change. But if we do both and we're truly caring about each other and looking to improve not just our own standing, but the standing of other people around us. What, what a great legacy that would be. Will people write books about us? Will our name go up in halls of fame? Probably not. Will, will our families and our marriages, our communities and our churches be richer, deeper, better because of it? Absolutely. When I think of legacy, I think of simple, subtle, humble legacy. I really don't need fireworks. And and this is a way to produce long-term profound change that maybe only the Lord can actually measure. And, you know, maybe it'll be nice at the end of the day, uh, literally at the end of the day, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant, because you've been a transformational leader in my kingdom. I think that would be a glorious legacy. 
Amen. Well, thank you, Dr. Timms. For anyone that wants to learn more about the topic, you can go ahead and pick up his book, Shape Your World, on Amazon, along with some of his other works. Dr. Timms, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate and value you and taking the time out to be on Stand Tall. It's been a total pleasure, Cameron, and blessings as as this uh, takes off, we trust, by, by God's blessing. Thank you. Right on. Thank you for your time. We'll see you guys soon. Till, till next time, Stand Tall.